Greetings, my excellent friend. Bill, what? Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. into Wild Stallions, your podcast focused on the Salt Lake Stallions as well as the Alliance of American Football. I'm Jay Catch, joined as always by my fearless co-host, Sean Walker. Sean, how are you, my friend? Once again, Jake, you're not getting these names right. Oh, sorry. Jake S. Preston Jake S. Preston Esquire. Esquire and Sean... What do you want to go? Sean Theodore Logan. I thought, we, I thought it was opposite. Are you keep switching these up on me? I don't know, probably. Okay, anyway. You can't expect me to keep track of stuff. Sean, I'm, just a, I'm just a full-time professional podcaster. I'm Sean not Theodore pro. Logan, how are you? I'm good, Jake, and you know what? I'm, But I'm not nearly as good as one uh, Stephen A. Spur- Spurrier, who uh, is coming in to Salt Lake City with the Orlando Apollos this weekend. Uh, yeah. We'll touch on that here in a second, but uh, I think all things considered, I'm doing all right. Absolutely. So, yeah, it, this is a big week. Uh, the Salt Lake Stallions coming off their first win in franchise history. They only have to go up against what I believe to be the best team in the alliance right now, and that would be the Orlando Apollos. You just mentioned that Steve Spurrier, the old ball coach, former head coach of the Florida Gators, also head coach of the South Carolina Gamecocks, and then also spent some time in the NFL with the Washington Redskins. He leads this team into Salt Lake City, and I cannot wait. I don't think Spurrier... I, I, I don't believe that, as far as I'm aware, has ever stepped foot in the state of Utah to coach a football game until this week. Uh, he has been to Idaho. Okay. We do know that because he is good friends with Stallions head coach Dennis Erickson, who, yeah. ironically, the two of them have never played each other. Which and is wild to think that, about. That was the most amazing stat I ever saw leading up to this week was Steve Spurrier and Dennis Erickson, two men who were pretty much inseparable in the realm of college football, mm-hmm. two men who mean so much to college football in the state of Florida in particular, uh, Spurrier at UF, and then Erickson, obviously, with his powerhouse yeah. teams at the University of Miami. Two titles in Miami, yeah. Um, I, I just... I could not believe that these two coaches have never coached against each other in their entire careers, whether in college or the NFL or some random high school that yeah. like that like the two of them were coaching maybe, but uh, so be it. And and we talked to Dennis Erickson the other day after practice a little bit. He said him and Steve are actually really good friends. He's invited him invited him up to his cabin in uh, in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho to go uh, fishing and hunting and, and that kind of thing. And they golf every off season, um, everything. So they know each other very well. They I've hang heard, out at a lot of the same functions. But I've heard Spurrier likes to golf barefoot. I don't, I, do you think Coach Erickson's down with that? I, I don't see I don't see Dennis as a barefoot golfer. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he is. I, don't I, don't see, I just don't see it. Well, Maybe. Yeah, so. Well, let, let's play we that. Should, we should ask him next time we uh, We talk. will, actually. We will. Maybe post-game, maybe we'll ask him about that coach so we hear you like to go golfing together does coach erickson like to go barefoot (laughs) we'll talk about that all right well let's play the out audio right now let's get it right out of the gate here uh yeah you mentioned we had a chance to catch up with dennis erickson for his weekly press conference as part of it, he did talk about his relationship with steve spurrier and the fact that they have never uh, coached against each other in a football game so here you go dennis erickson after practice earlier this week at the zions bank real academy this uh, first chance to coach against uh, Steve Spurrier. Yeah, yeah. Kind of what are your thoughts about going against him? Well, Steve and I have been close friends for many, many, many years. Many years. Played golf together, vacation a couple times. He came to Coeur d'Alene with his wife. and So we're, we're very good friends. Right? And probably one of my closest in this business. So 
but you know, I've never coached against him. So when I was at Miami, and he was at Florida, we didn't play him. So we played we played Florida State, but we didn't play Florida. And I think it was three of the six years I was there. I, I can't remember exactly. Uh, so this is really the first time. Obviously, he's one of the greatest. So it'll be fun to compete against him. It'll be fun to compete against him. Is he offensive innovator? Yeah. How yeah. much is that carried over from his college days to what you're seeing on the field? In, in the With state? him? Yeah. He's doing a lot of the same things he's done for years. I mean, he hasn't, uh, you know, he's added some things like we all do, some of the new new things uh, that are innovative now in football. We all do a little bit of that. And he's done some of that. But, you know, a lot of the innovation is, is a lot of things they're doing are things that he and I did, you know, in, in our separate raising on offense. So, uh, but uh, a lot of the same things. He's going to fling it. That's what he likes to do. He likes to throw it. Interesting to hear him say, we're two contemporaries, one of my best friends in coaching. But during his time in Miami, speaking of Coach Erickson, never played UF. Kind of crazy to think about, but hey, it's one of those things that football, there's weird things in the sport all the time, and that's just one of them right there. Yeah, and in a league like the Alliance of American Football that, let's be honest, is so dominated by coaches and coaching storylines, mm-hmm. and I mean, you've got you've got guys from, whether it's from Dennis Erickson to, to Steve Spurrier to guys like Mike Singletary, uh, I mean, just so many different personalities of the game. Rick Neuheisel, I could go on and on and literally name every coach in the league, but I won't. Um this is uh, this is a cool little matchup to have, just because it's so marketable and it's so easy to go. Hey, Dennis Erickson's team playing against the Spurrier's team, first time ever, like NFL Network prime time. Um, oh, and it also happens that this is going to be a pretty good football game. And one other note, Sean, I should note here, and I I just put it together. I I, I noticed this earlier. I saw the press release on this, but Ron Zook, that name sound familiar at all? Heard of him? Former Florida head coach. Who took over for who? One, Stephen Q. Spurrier the third. We keep changing the middle initial. This is great. But no, he. so Ron Zook announced this morning that he has joined Dennis Erickson's staff on the Salt Lake Stallion. So we're going to have two flo- former coach, head coaches of the Florida Gators going against mm-hmm. one another. So just even more, this just... This matchup just envelops a whole nother angle to it because Zook took over for Spurrier when Spurrier reti- uh, resigned from his job with the Gators. Yeah, Spurrier or uh, Spurrier, sorry. Uh, yeah, it's a lot Steve, to keep Steve, track Steve of. Steve Spurrier yes. was there. No, that would be a story. Uh, Ron Zook was actually there the other day at practice when I stopped by uh, at the training center. Um, I heard that nothing was totally official, that he was kind of in and out and thinking about joining up with the Alliance and that kind of thing. So nothing was fully there, but it's good to see him on board, and it's good to see that uh, that Dennis again has another ally here, um, that obviously that Spurrier has another ally, I guess, from the state of Florida. Yep. Um, but once again, I mean, you're just seeing all sorts of just coaching names and, yes, and the names, influences yes. and, and, and motivations and storylines and that kind of thing here with the Alliance of American Football, and I I think that's really good for the league. I guess we should clarify that uh, the the role that Zook will have on uh, Dennis Erickson's staff is he will be the special teams coordinator and also help coach the secondary. Mm-hmm. So that kind of goes kind of with his career. He did a lot of defensive backs coaching in the NFL and the college ranks. Also some some special teams work as well. So really good special teams coach. Yes, he's I done, mean, if, if you're going to yeah. hire a special teams coordinator in the AAF, uh, Ron Zook's got to be at the top of that list. Exactly. So he's a, he's a great pickup. So. 
That's news that came out today. But, Sean, let's break into this game a little bit more in depth. You talk about the fact that the, this league is dominated by the coaches' names, but a lot of them will tell you that this league is about opportunity for these young men that are playing on the field, to get their opportunity to show with the NFL what they're doing. And in the, some of the cases, as we heard Coach um, Erickson say last week, some of these guys are just playing football because they don't want to be done playing football yet. He mentioned a guy like Silver Salinga. Silver spent a long time in the NFL. He's made a lot of money in the NFL. He's playing football because he's having fun. He doesn't need the reported $83,000 salary this year that he'd be be allotted as a member of the Salt Lake Stallions necessarily. He's there to play football and have fun with it. I think it's probably similar to the same format that we have with the Orlando Apollos coming, coming in. You have guys on that team looking to make their make a uh, statement about getting back to the NFL, but I'm sure other guys ready to play just for the fun of it. And I think the guy, in terms of the former, speaking of guys who want to get back to the NFL, Garrett Gilbert, their starting quarterback. You don't think he's making a statement with his play earlier this season that he wants a training camp invite this summer back with an NFL team to maybe get back into the league a little bit? Yeah, no, I mean, it really it starts at the top. And, and as a lot of Steve Spurrier offenses do, it really starts at the top with that signal caller. Um, this Apollo's offense does. This is an Orlando team that's extremely dangerous offensively, extremely innovative offensively. Uh, they like to throw the ball. They like to sling the ball around. Um, you, you know, they're going to throw for three, four, five hundred yards on you if you give them the chance. Kind of that old school... I almost said West Coast offense, but it's not West Coast offense because it comes from the state of Florida. Yeah. But that type of mentality <laughs> right there. Um, and really, uh, Garrett Gilbert is a guy who who Steve Spurrier had to go out and get. He wasn't automatically allocated to the Apollos yeah. um, via the regional draft. So he actually had to go and get him and plan for him and go, that's a guy I want on my team. That's a guy who can run my offense. Um, that's a guy who can put up big numbers in this league. And so far... Again, fingers crossed, we're three weeks into the inaugural season, but I think it's fair enough to say it's working out pretty well for him. Yeah, Gilbert leads the league right now, if I'm not mistaken, in passing yards with 827 on the season. Um, outside of him, Sean, how many yards do you think this team, the, the Apollos, have passed for this year outside of him with that 827? Uh, I'm going to go for a goose egg. It's probably a little more, but it's not much. Nine yards. Justin Appleby has a pass. I believe it was a touchdown pass to Garrett Gilbert. Went for five yards. And Austin Appleby. Oh, yeah. Sorry, sorry Jalen Marshall, excuse me, had the five-yard pass. It was the touchdown pass yeah. to Garrett Gilbert. Austin Appleby, who's his backup, has one other pass he's completed for a grand total of four yards. Yeah, I remember that little trick play against the Atlanta Legends, I think, in that first week uh, blowout. Can we call it a blowout? Yeah, we'll call a it blowout. a blowout. Yeah, Absolutely is a blowout. Sure, why not? So, yeah, this is a team coming in. Orlando is very much in the same vein as every other Steve Spurrier coach team. They like to take shots down the field. They like to throw the ball around the yard, the old ball coach throwing the ball around the yard. That's And that's exactly what they do. Their leading rusher on the year is Dearness Johnson. I believe he's a former U, UCF, might be USF product, 171 rushing yards. That pales in comparison to what Gilbert's done. And also their leading receiver, Charles Johnson, 300 five yards on the season. So this is a team that's going to test Salt Lake secondary to the max. Yeah, Dearness Johnson, former USF Bull. I was uh, right on one my of second those, guess. <laughs> one, one of those uh, shorter. He's only five foot ten, two 207 pounds, so he's shorter, but he's compact. He's Again, he's kind of like uh, Salt Lake's run game a little bit. Built like a battering ram and mm-hmm. really just runs it up the gut. Yeah. 
softens up that middle for a guy like Gilbert to then uh, take advantage on the outside there. So you've got everybody sees these passing numbers. They see Gary Gilbert. They see Steve Spurrier. Um, and and they, they see all these numbers. They get ready for kind of this high-octane, high-passing attack that the Apollos are going to bring in for good reason, for good measure. I mean, I don't want to downplay that at all. But a lot of that is kind of set up by this run and, and guys like Dearness Johnson really kind of giving them the, the separation and the space that they need on the outside to do what they do best. Absolutely. And this is a defense as well, Sean, that they they take the ball away. They have six interceptions through three games. That's a clean average of two per game. And so this is a team that also take the ball away from you. Um, Terrence Garvin leads the, leads the team with three interceptions on the year. So this is going to be quite the test for the Stallions. Uh, the good news is, is it looks like weather will be in in play here. The cold. I know Coach Erickson said last week. I hope it snows when 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 Orlando comes in. And I know that people say that weather doesn't necessarily affect guys, and it shouldn't affect guys. But when you're playing in Orlando, where it's sunshine and rainbows in Florida all the time. Or practicing in Georgia. Fair. You have to drive 45 minutes or whatever across the border so you can avoid certain workers' comp laws, etc. Shout out to the Florida legislature. Uh, that is just, that's that's a whole nother story. Shout out to all y'all on Capitol Hill there in Florida. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't mean, Tallahassee. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's just it's just so strange. But uh, they're going to be coming to elevation. They're coming in in early spring. It's going to be March second. Will be this game, and it looks like weather will be in play. Snow, rain, potential. The way that uh, Salt Lake plays football should favor what the Stallions do on offense. That's just my take. Yeah, I mean, this is this is where you want home field advantage. And now the Stallions, you know, rather than flying into Salt Lake City two days before the game like they did last week, they've had a whole week to practice and to, to kind of get their feet under them, get used to the altitude a little bit. You know, we hear it takes a good three, four, five days, um, especially for athletes to really get a climate, truly acclimatized yeah. to playing at elevation. Uh, so, so this whole week will obviously help them there. You've obviously got some former Utah, former BYU, former Utah State players who are a little bit used to playing it at elevation as well, and some guys from Colorado and whatnot who this is sea level compared to what they're used to. <laughs> um, but on the flip side, you've also got the, you've also got the Stallions going up against an extremely talented Orlando team, and yes. in particular in an Orlando secondary, which when you're drawing from athletes who played college football at Florida. In the state of Florida. Yeah, yeah, in the state of Florida. Sorry, I should say. Um, I think the number one thing that you think of, especially on defense, is defensive backs, secondary. Speed. Um, yeah, speed. So much speed. And that really comes, I mean, that really comes into play when you look at guys like, uh, um, I had it started, I started to pull up a short list here. Um, but well, guys, guys like Will Hill from Florida, six yeah. foot one defensive back. I was gonna back, say Will Hill's on that fast. list. Uh, Miami's Ladarius Gunter. I remember him a little yep. bit in college. So, I mean, you want to talk about speed there? Keith Josh Re Evans from Florida. Yeah, Keith Reeser is another guy to keep an eye on as well. He's got two interceptions on the year. There is a lot of talent with the with these secondary players and. We saw Josh Woodrum have a pretty good game a week ago. He's going to have to have a great game. Of course, the um, Salt Lake's wide receiving core is going to have to have a good game as well. And it'll be important. I, 
I look at it, DeMornay Pearsonell had the kind of the breakout performance a week ago. You have guys uh, that you look at on the on the edges for Salt Lake. Okay, I get that they've got some skill, but do they have the speed to, to really burn what uh, Florida what Orlando? I should say Florida. I should say Florida. It should be the Florida well Apollos. Be. Orlando Apollos. The Orlando in. Gators. You know where I think um, Salt Lake may have a little bit of an advantage? Using their tight ends. Anthony Denham, we'll see how he is. He was listed on the injury report earlier this week. We'll yeah, see limited in practice the other day. We'll see if he's able to play. But you've got kids like Nick Truesdale. That touchdown catch he had in the season opener against Arizona was a thing of beauty. Uh, Tanner Baldry has shown some things as well in Austin Trailer. I think Salt Lake needs to plan on utilizing their tight ends in this game. Yeah, I, th- I think Tanner Baldry could be a big, big player for the Stallions this weekend if he's healthy because we did find out he was deactivated mm-hmm. from the active roster before the home opener against Arizona. And obviously, it worked out fine, you know. Yeah. Stallions come in and they get the win and, and we heard through the grapevine that that, uh, that uh, Ball- Tanner was a little bit nicked up for that game, not 100%, didn't want to fully give it a go, whatever it was. Um, all signs seemed to point to him being available. Yep, it looks like it looks that way. So we'll see how it all shakes out. One other person before we go to break here, Sean, we're going to come back and we'll tease this right now. We're going to have interviews on today's podcast with Tanner Baldery. I had a chance to catch up with him after practice on Tuesday. You also had a chance to catch up with Gianni Paul. We're going to play both of those interviews in the next segment. We'll talk about them. But before we go, Sean, one guy I think that should be very excited about the passing attack for Orlando in terms of the Salt Lake Stallions defense is Carter Schultz. Four sacks through now three you, games. Now you're speaking my language. This guy has been a terror off the edge. I tweeted out last week that I wouldn't be surprised if he signed to an NFL reserve slash futures contract before the AAF season is done this year. He's been a terror on the edge early this year, and he's got to be just ready to roll. He's got to be excited to get after uh, Orlando and get after Garrett Gilbert. Yeah, and a guy who really came into the season pretty unheralded on the Salt Lake roster. He wasn't a big-name signee. Yeah. He wasn't a splashy guy. He wasn't somebody that Dennis Erickson had to kind of go out and make a trade for and try to figure out a way to get onto the roster. He played in Northern Iowa mm-hmm. uh, and an FCS school and one that was that's regionally allocated to the Stallions. Um, didn't have a great career in the NFL or anything like that, but he's been hungry, he's been motivated, and three games into the season... Um, he's he is tied for third on the team with 11 tackles, there four sacks, four sacks in three games. Hold on, let me repeat that. Four one sacks. Two three four. Yep, you can you can confirm. Thank you. <laughs> I I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I mean this is this is a guy who is. And, and not not just a terror by himself in the backfield, but when you when you talk about what he can do in terms of disruption along that offensive line, uh, he does what he does. You know, gets a sack, maybe gets in on half a sack, uh, gets a couple of pressures or some hurries in there and whatnot. And then even if he's not directly causing the the pressure, you saw a lot of this in the second half against Arizona. Teams start accounting for him; they start double teaming yep. him, and that opens up guys on the other side to start making plays. Guys like Greer Martini, uh, for example, guys like Gianni Paul, guys like Trevor Riley, they can come off the opposite side from Carter Schultz, kind of utilize that double team and make plays themselves. So this this is a guy who's not only really good at causing his own disruption, but also just helping fuel his teammates' need to get into the backfield um, and do 
as much as the Alliance of American Football will let them do in terms of the pass rush. Yeah, no, and that'll be interesting. This is a guy that had 31 sacks in his final two seasons at Northern Iowa. Um, he been, he's been cut twice trying to pursue the NFL dream, but yeah, he's showing he's showing very well so far, and that's the exciting part. All right, Sean, we will take a time out here. We'll come back on the other side. As I just said, interviews with Tanner Baldry and Gianni Paul coming up next right here on Wild Stallions. Welcome back to Wild Stallions. I'm Jake. He's Sean. This is not Monty Python on the Holy okay, Grail. Okay, I'm sorry. That is our d- other podcast. I'm sorry. Oh, okay, fair. That's fair. That is our Monty Python Appreciation Podcast. <laughs> go, go download uh, Jake Hatch's Monty Python Flying Circus Appreciation Podcast right now, and available now, on iTunes. And now for something completely different. <laughs> All right, Sean, you had a chance to speak with Gianni Paul after practice earlier this week. Um, the former Utah linebacker, I think he's been a revelation earlier this year. He didn't play in the first game, the season opener, against Arizona, but in the past two games, he's been a standout player at the linebacker position. You had a chance to catch up with him, and we're going to play this interview here in a minute, but would you guys have a chance to catch up with him and talk about? Uh, yeah, I mean, just that. I mean, this this is a guy who came into the came into preseason really late with the Stallions first of all he was playing over in Russia um, kind of a, a dual defensive coordinator slash linebacker role mm-hmm. in Russia wasn't entirely certain if he wanted to get back into the game quite frankly okay. but he saw an opportunity in Salt Lake City with the Alliance with his former coach and Dennis Erickson um, and uh, and he he's a good God-fearing religious man so he said as soon as he heard about this opportunity he immediately got down his knees and he prayed and he said hey if there's any way that I can be a part of this league let me know um, and within a couple of weeks, uh, I think it was GM Randy Mueller uh, called his phone. One of the guys okay. from the front office called his phone and said, hey, we've got an opening. Would you be available? You know, Would you be interested in coming back and playing for the Stallions? Um, he said, somebody must be looking out for me up above because, I mean, that was awesome. Cool. And like you mentioned, Jake, he missed that first game because he got into camp so late. He wasn't completely in shape. He wasn't totally ready to go against Arizona. But he introduced himself to the world against Birmingham. In particular, against Trent Richardson. In yeah. particular, please say you particular asked about against Trent Richardson's dreadlocks, which we absolutely okay, talked good. about. Um, so stay tuned to that. Uh, and it, it, he's just been on a tear ever since. Uh, again, I committed to a new league, new coaches, and uh, new rules. It's all fun. It's all new to me. So I'm, I'm all in. Was there a moment? What was kind of your first sort of like welcome to the Alliance type moment? Was there a moment where you were like, okay, this is a little bit, a little bit different, but I like it. I dig it. Kind of, um, it's kind of cool. I gotta say the first game, the first game uh, was uh, my my first game was um, Birmingham. So um, during the Birmingham game, you know, um, we had a few ups and downs, and uh, you know, certain things wasn't called, and uh, it was just like this lead that you play, this lead that uh, the playmaker make plays, and without the interruption and the, without the referees kind of interfering, so it was kind of you know nice. Was one of those moments a, a certain tackle that you made on a certain former first round running back? May or may not have been. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yes, yes, it was. Um, uh, I don't know what they would have called in the NFL, but uh, in the Lions, that's a tackle. So, <laughs> awesome. what's it like just being back here in 
in Salt Lake City with a fan base that's been pretty loyal to you guys. I mean, every time I talk to Utah fans, they all want to bring up, hey, have you, have you seen Gianni? What's Gianni doing? How's Gianni doing? I mean, you left a really remarkable impression on this fan base. So what's it like just being back here and kind of getting back in front of some of those guys? I mean, first off, that means a lot to me, you know, uh, just a, just the support. Um, this league wouldn't be nothing without the support from a lot of these fans, you know, from University of Utah fans, BYU fans, people that like football. And I'm glad, like, all these different colleges can come together and kind of, like, um, you know, um, bring the Salt Lake Stallions the welcome to you know, the, um, um, Utah. And then uh, second off, um, wow, I, it, it, was, it was an unbelievable experience. It was just, like, playing the Reds again, the, the same fans, the loyal fans there, and then everybody screaming, screaming your name or screaming at you. I loved it. What uh, what was it like coming back and being able to uh, to play for Coach Erickson? Oh, oh. I, I mean, when uh, first when when, when I, I was a D coordinator and playing in, um, I, I went from Canada to coaching uh-huh. and uh, just in, in my off season and uh, I heard Coach Erickson would get in the position and I, I got down on my knees right away and prayed that I would be able to play for Coach Erickson again. In which you know the man above and somebody looking after me uh, made it come true and um, it, it been a blast. I, I love him. Um, it, it got, uh, he makes players want to play for him. You know, you know, uh, playing this game, you everybody will find that th- reason why you playing. You know, you know, some some plays why you playing go out the door and like I'm gonna make a play for you, coach. You know, and that kind of like what type of guy I am. I start the game off and I say I play for my family, I'm playing for my friends, I'm playing for the people. And during the game, I look over at my coach, I'm playing for him. You know, I'm I'm, I'm want to make a play, I want make I want to make him look good. I want to be put in the right position to you know have my name to play in the papers. And if I have my name in the papers, he have the name in the papers. So. So that was former Utah linebacker Johnny Paul, the man of um, the esteemed dreadlock pulling, assisted tackling, uh, former NFL, former CFL, former Russian Premier Football League. I don't know if that's what it's actually called over there, but the we're going to go with it. Yeah. Star. Um, yeah. Thanks so much to Johnny for joining us for a couple of minutes after practice there. I think you heard, Jake, that this is a guy who wants to be here, and he's really grateful to be back in Salt Lake City, yeah. a place that has shown him so much love, so much support, and so much appreciation for a game that hasn't always been at the top. Um, yeah, no, and yet that true, support's yeah. always there. You heard him talk about that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And this is a guy who's been outstanding. Um, I kind of made the joke in the press box last week. He, I believe he was the one that got called for that horse collar tackle against uh, against Arizona in, we, in their first home game for the Stallions. I'm like, that guy doesn't have dreadlocks, Johnny. Only because he didn't have dreads. <laughs> Just I, And I had to make that joke because that was quite the tackle he made. All right, So Sean. rules for the Alliance of American Football. You can grab a guy by his hair, but you can't grab him by the shoulder pads. Well, you can't buy him by the back of the shoulder pads and drag them down. That's at every level of football now. That horse collar You can deal. grab them by the hair. Absolutely. If your hair comes out of your helmet, it is free game. That is on you for deciding to wear your hair long, I suppose. Just, just making sure we got that all clear because as as you're aware, Jake, sometimes these first-year leagues, uh, they kind of write rules a little bit as they go. So, yeah, no, it's so the we're truth. all clear. No, I, I'm, I'm, I'm aware of that. So, um, Thanks to Gianni Paul for joining us. I also had a chance to catch up with Tanner Baldery. Um, this was a brief conversation because he had to get to a workout for the team after practice, but still a lot of good information here. Essentially, I, I did this interview, Sean, and you probably saw it. I was walking and talking with Tanner Baldery. I legitimately walked from the locker room to the bus. He had to get to a workout, and we, we just chatted along the way. So it was a fun conversation with Tanner, talking about kind of the early part of the season here and also his excitement to be playing here in Utah finally. 
seemingly with their home games, but he does have a pretty um, good quip about uh, facing well, facing teams in his former rivals' uh, stadium, but also dressing in the University of Utah's home locker room. So here you go. Here's Tanner Baldery with myself earlier this week. Tanner, I guess first things first, you're three weeks into this. Um, how's the body feel? How's everything going so far? Uh, feeling good. You know, not as good as week one, but, you know, can't complain. <laughs> always be a lot worse, so I'm, I'm grateful for where I'm at. You guys are playing football, and it seems like you guys have improved each week. You, of course, had the first win this past weekend. How was it being at home for the first time? It was really good. It was nice to see everyone there, get back to the altitude. gives you a little bit of power when you're from here. Uh, but it was it was just really cool to, to see everyone come out and support us. You know, saw a lot of Utah fans, and it's kind of weird to have them cheer for me for the first time. But I, I liked it, appreciated it. But it was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, how was it playing in your rival stadium, knowing it's now your home? Yeah, that, <laughs> still haven't quite got over the fact that I'm dressing in the Utah home locker room. But you know, it'll get used to it as the season goes on. That was just the first time, but uh, it, it feels good to win there. So uh, you know, we're the home team, and we won at our home, so that felt really good. You guys, of course, are going to be facing off against Orlando coming up this week. It's a team that's known for their offense, but they got a pretty good defense as well. They're after a 3-0 start. What do you expect from them? Uh, obviously, they're super athletic. They're a great team. All credit to them and respect them, and I think that's the biggest thing for us as a team is we need to go in there respecting and acknowledging what they can do and then having the confidence that we can you know, mask their intensity and uh, out-scheme and outplay them in the way that we do best. And you know, hopefully a little bit of altitude uh, will factor into helping us win. This is a coach and Steve Spurrier, and this league's full of legendary coaches. Of course, your head coach, Dennis Erickson, is one of them. But what's it like knowing that you're going to go up against what they call the old ball coach? Uh, it's pretty cool. You know, it's, I mean, that's the fun of this league is it's, it's guys who have a lot of history and legend are coaching. Like you said, we got Erickson and Spurrier. I mean, you, you just look across the entire league, and you got guys like this every week. We uh, played against Michael Single, Mike Singletary in the preseason. Uh, so it's just really an honor to, you know, go against these great coaches with these great football minds and, and know that you know we're playing at a high level like that so that's fun okay last thing for me what will you think be the keys to winning this game this Saturday and going to two and two uh just sticking to our fundamentals like we did last week you know we wanted to run the ball and we went in and we did run the ball well on the second half of the game last week and I think if we you know stick to our guns and run hard and be physical with this team that we should be uh, be able to come out on top awesome thanks so much Tanner yeah thank you Thanks once again to uh, former BYU tight end Tanner Baldry, current Salt Lake Stallions tight end slash H-back slash fullback slash whatever he is, um, and also a very winded Jacob Hatch on his way to the team bus as he caught up with him there. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's true. I'm a little bit out of shape. I've been trying to lose some weight, but yes, no, it was but it was good to catch up with him. Tanner's a good dude. We had him on the podcast earlier this year um, from San Antonio. It was good to catch up with him in person, and thank, thanks to him for taking the time. All right, Sean. Well, let's take a time out here. We'll come back on the other side. There's three other games, of course, in the Alliance this weekend. We'll talk about them, make our picks, and kind of just break it all down and wrap things up as we get ready for Week Four in the Alliance of American Football. You're listening to Wild Stallions. Welcome back to Wild Stallions, your podcast focused on the Alliance of American Football and the Salt Lake Stallions. 
Sean, of course, it is week four in the Alliance of American Football, and it's wild to think, Sean, we're already approaching midseason in the debut of the Alliance this week. I mean, in an eight-team league, I guess it shouldn't shock us. I but guess. Wow. We, yeah. are, we are coming up on the halfway point, and that, Jacob Hatch, that makes me a little sad. Can we play a sad, sad violin music right here? Sure. If, if you have one, go ahead. <laughs> I'll see what I can find. I'll, I'll go searching through the, to the, you're, through the you're archives. You're the audio master here. Come on. I'll see what I can do. I'll, I'll do this in post-product. We'll add, we'll add some music. So if you're hearing music, I obviously found it. If not, I couldn't find it. Plain and simple. All right, Sean. So there's three other games outside of the Salt Lake-Orlando matchup, which I really do think is the game of the weekend. It did get flexed to 6 o'clock Mountain Time on Saturday evening on NFL Network. Uh, the other game on Saturday, though, is San Diego going cross-country to face off against the Memphis Express. That'll be at 2 o'clock Mountain Time on Bleacher Report Live. Sean, I'm picking San Diego. I still feel like Memphis is a mess. They haven't really figured things out, but I think Zach Mettenberger is part of the answer for them. Yeah, and I still feel like blank is a mess was also probably something you could have said about San Diego in that first week of the season. Fair. Um, after that uh, that loss to San Antonio. Yeah. But the fleet have done a really nice job of rebounding big wins uh, week two and week three against Atlanta um, and, uh, and against San Antonio and all of a sudden they're looking like uh, one of those top teams in the West, they can certainly continue that, continue that momentum and kind of keep that role going against a Memphis team that you said it, Jake, not me. <laughs> hey, I, it, it, I think we have very clear separation in the East Con- East Division, East Conference here in the AAF, whereas the West is showing some parity, and Memphis is definitely one of the teams that is not very good. So I'm picking San Diego. Yeah, I like San Diego in this one. But speaking of parity, um, I, I feel like there's a game here that could be really competitive. Okay. I don't know if it's for the right reasons necessarily, but I think it's competitive. I think it's a close game, kind of a close score. Um, and that's the San Antonio Commanders and the Birmingham Iron Sunday at 4 p.m. Eastern time. Yeah, so Birmingham, of course, is one of the two teams that's undefeated in the in the East Division. Uh, Trent Richardson just vultures touchdowns every week, it seems like, for this team. They come back late. Of course, we saw them with the Stallions. Coming Make sure back you late get Trent Richardson game. on your fantasy football team for all that vulturing. Absolutely. Um, but San Antonio, they had that nice win over San Diego to start the season, and then they lost in the rematch in Week 3. But I'm with you, Sean. I think that this has got... He's got some unique qualities to it. Um, I'm going to favor Birmingham at home. They just seem to grind out results so far, grind out wins. But don't be surprised if San Antonio rolls into town and is ready for an upset. Yeah, and, and Mike Riley knows, uh, you know, in, t- in talking with the media all leading up to this week, he's kind of, he, he said he, he sort of knows what this commander's team needs to do and what they haven't been doing. Uh, through back-to-back losses, and a big part of that is is just allowing too many big plays, too many chunk plays. They've been doing a nice job of kind of holding teams on first and second down, yeah. um, and then just all of a sudden giving up a really big play. So a little bit more consistency, a little bit more um, 
kind of stoutness, I guess. I don't think that's a word, but we're going to go with it. Being more stout? Being more stout, yeah. I, I mean, that that's sort of what they need. And this Birmingham team is probably a good team to sort of work on that and focus that on a little bit because it's not really a team that's known for the big play. Sure, Trent Richardson can run off, rip off a big run but at any one time. They're built on their defense. But yeah, I mean, this is a defensive team. This is a team that likes to pound the ball. Um, it, you know, they've got an accurate quarterback in Luis Perez, but... I, I want to call him like a world burner. He's not setting the world on fire. Oh, he's not prolific by any means. Um, and so I, I think you can, you can see San Antonio if they can limit Birmingham on the ground, kind of keep them below sort of that big play threshold. I think they're going to be in this one till late, and then it's just a matter of finishing. Okay, so who are you picking in this game then? So it sounds like I'm picking San Antonio. To That's what I thought. Upset, I was going to let it? you. Um, I think the Commanders are going to be in this one. I really do. I think they're going to have a chance, probably have a chance at the end even, to come away with, to come away with the end. But I think that Birmingham defense is too tough. Okay. Well, I'm going to go opposite of you, and I'll pick San Antonio. Mm. I was going to give you the opportunity like to it. take the Commanders, but I'll take I them like instead. It. All right, then the weekend is going to wrap up. So that'll be at uh, 4 o'clock Eastern time, like Sean said, 2 o'clock Mountain on the CBS Sports Network on Sunday. The weekend will wrap up with Atlanta at Arizona. That'll be at 8 o'clock Eastern time, 6 o'clock Mountain time on NFL Network. Sean, I think Arizona's going to get back into the win column. What do you think? Well, I don't know. I mean, Atlanta's been pretty good, and they've shown some signs of letting... No, I'm sorry. I can't continue through there. I just... Yeah, give me Arizona. Give me whatever points you want to lay on this one. Um, Atlanta's a mess, man. Atlanta is... Go, go ahead and prove me wrong, Legends. That's fine. If this gives you like some fire, if this gives you bulletin board material, whatever, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Take it. Um, also, you're welcome for the win if, if that's how it works out. But, <laughs> I mean, this franchise is... is they're in rough shape right now, and I yeah. think Arizona is going to come in motivated and hungry and really disappointed out, out of their their uh, situation in yeah. Salt Lake. No, it's true. Uh, they're going to come back home and uh, and get back into the win column. Yeah, and I, I'm interested to see how it goes. But yeah, I think Arizona gets back into the wind column. I just don't think Atlanta's. I, I I think Atlanta's got talent, Sean. But we talked about early in this podcast how the big name coaches in this league are kind of the headliners here. Well, the coaching situation in Atlanta has been anything but ideal. So I really feel like that's affecting this team. You're right. I'd love for them to prove us wrong. But as it stands right now, it sure doesn't look like anything's going to change. So I'm going to go with Arizona here. We'll see what happens this weekend. All right. um, And as we wrap things up here, Sean, any final thoughts from you? I'm just sad, Jake. About? I'm sad because we've waited all this time for football, and now I just feel like we've we've kind of blown through half the season, and I just I don't know how to feel. With hey, that. we still got six more weeks after this week. So. I know. And of course, there's the two rounds of playoffs, so we're looking at eight more weeks at least of football. That's true. Let's just take advantage of it while we've got it. No, absolutely we will. And it's a blast to bring this podcast to you guys. Uh, please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast, especially if you listen to us on an Apple device, your iPhones, etc. That five-star review on Apple Podcasts is worth its weight in gold. And once again, uh, in the next couple of weeks, we'll give you guys a couple of weeks to get these in. But yeah. give us a rating, give us a review. We're going to pick our favorite reviews, our favorite two reviews, and y'all are going to go going to get a free uh, Salt Lake Stallions Arizona Hot Shots inaugural game day poster courtesy of the Stallions. So go and leave that review and then uh, we'll pick our favorites and we'll find a way to contact you. 
Absolutely. Do it. We we really appreciate you guys' support. It's a blast to bring this to you guys all the time. We'll be back uh, probably on Monday recapping what happens this weekend with the Stallions as well as the rest of the weekend with the Alliance. Thanks again for joining us. Have a great day. See you at two days PS post Spurrier.